from BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast, is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. The best conversations I have with my colleagues are the ones that happen when no one is looking, when we're not 100% sure yet what to write. Hopefully, having conversations like this can help you figure out your own point of view. That's kind of our job as Washington Post opinions columnists. I'm Charles Lane, Deputy Opinion Editor. And I'm Amanda Ripley, a contributing columnist. We're going to bring you into these conversations on a new podcast called Impromptu. Follow Impromptu now, wherever you listen. Thinking sideways. I don't understand. Stories of things we simply don't know the answer to. Well, hello there. Welcome again to another episode of Thinking Sideways. I'm Joe, joined as always by... Devin. And... Steve. And as you know, if, well, if, if you've never listened to us before, what we do is we solve unsolved mysteries. We no. Find a, we find a mystery, we pound it into the ground until it finally cries, No moss! No moss! And uh, then we tell you how to find us on Stitcher and iTunes and stuff. He's so, lying. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's the worst description of the show I've ever heard. In any of episodes, we haven't solved anything. Uh-uh. Well, we solved a few. We solved Lost Boy Larry. No. No. We didn't solve that one. I think we did. Well, okay. Yeah. Well, according to Joe, we've solved them all. Yeah. But mm-hmm. yeah. that's not actually what happens. Okay. But occasionally, we'll shed a little, a little bit of ray of light on something. You know, we might add something to it. Okay. Well, so let's, let's move ahead here. Let's talk about our weekly mystery here. The mystery is the Count of St. Germain. Woohoo! I know. Some of you may have heard of this guy. I've heard of the liquor. Mm-hmm. St. Germain. Uh, this, this show is, was, or this idea was actually a listener suggestion. Um, unfortunately, it was suggested by a whole bunch of listeners and not just one. And so usually we, we give acknowledgement, but in this case, we're not going to. Because you know who you are. Yeah. You know who you are. And thanks a lot. We and I, I would say fortunately, not unfortunately. Yeah. 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 This is a good one. Yeah. Yeah. It's an interesting story. Uh, so the Count of St. Germain, nobody knows precisely when he was born. Uh, some sources say 1710, some 1712, some say 1690, some say... Mm, 
before Christ. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Uh, he was a European dude who claimed he was the son of Prince Francis II Krakosi, and I'm sure I'm mispronouncing that, of Transylvania. Uh, he was prominent in high society in the 18th centuries, particularly in France, but in other places too. He hobnobbed with a lot of famous people, including Kings Louis XV and Louis XVI of France. Voltaire, you've probably heard of him. Mm-hmm. Uh, Giacomo Casanova, you've heard of Casanova, I'm sure. Yep. And in fact, Casanova mentions uh, the Count in his memoirs. He does. He does. Mm-hmm. Uh, and also Catherine the Great of Russia, and lots and lots of other people. Supposedly, he spoke lots of languages very fluently, um, and he played the violin and the harpsichord like a master. He wrote, uh, he wrote opera songs and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. I mean, um, he was, the guy was, uh, what's the word I'm thinking of, polymath. The guy was like, you know, kind of like Benjamin Franklin, those, some of those guys, and just geniuses at all kinds of different things. Now, he knew a lot about science and philosophy, and Prince Charles uh, of Hesse-Kassel, that's in Germany apparently, said that he was, quote, one of the greatest philosophers who ever lived, unquote. What else? He was into alchemy. And he claimed to have had great success. He claimed to have, you know, invented all kinds of little powders that would make you immortal and stuff like that. So basically, he was kind of like the full package. I know. And, you know, yeah. Uh, great conversationalist, charming fellow. Mm-hmm. Lots of people reported, uh, you know, hanging with him and uh, enjoying his company a whole lot. He was apparently rich, never short on cash. Which is why people hung out with him. Yeah, probably. Although, <laughs> yeah. Well, the people he was hanging out with were royalty, and so they, they weren't hurting for cash either. True. Oddly, no one, or at least very few people, ever saw him eat any food. He would have dinner with people, and he would just spend the whole time talking and not eat a, a single thing. Did he drink? I don't know. Probably. Presumably. Probably, presumably he did. He I also... remember something about him drinking a special tea mm. yeah. that was noted in some of the writings, but mm-hmm. yeah, that was he... the only thing I ever saw. Yeah, he supposedly invented something called Russia, Russian tea, mm. but... Uh, he also apparently abstained from sex. He didn't, uh, even though women found him very, very charming, he didn't actually pursue women or have a wife or a girlfriend or anything like that. Hmm. He also was rumored to have been a member of some secret societies like the Rosicrucians, mm-hmm. the Freemasons, mm-hmm. the Knights Templar, mm-hmm. and some other ones. All the big know. ones. All the big ones. All the big scary ones, the Illuminati and stuff like that. The big three. Yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> And it, it seems to me that he had a, a he played a fairly major part in shaping European politics in the 18th century. But his biggest claim to fame is for being immortal. Oh. Yeah. Well, if not immortal, very long lived. Extremely long lived. Yeah. As I said earlier, his date of birth was put at around 1710, maybe 1712. Uh, accounts vary. Nobody really knows. And the the count was notoriously hard to pin down on stuff like that. Mm. He didn't exactly say when he was born or where he was born or anything. It was only later in life that he told Prince Charles of Hesse-Cassel that uh, he'd been, he was the son of Prince Francis II of Transylvania. Mm-hmm. Um, but other than that, he tended to evade questions about his origins. But there were people who said that they knew him in 1710, and at the time, he was around 45 years old. Hmm. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, yeah, I know. And there, and another guy, uh, a guy who's called Baron von Stolsch, said that he knew the Count between the years 1715 to 1723, and he was about 45 then. And in 1735, a guy named Monin, a French guy, saw him in Holland, apparently had seen him at some time in the far previous past, like 1710. It's hmm. reported he hadn't aged a day that time so that's odd that's kind of strange was yeah. he was he the original benjamin button is that he was just aging backwards it could have been that yeah i don't 
don't, I don't, I don't, I think it's, it's, it was, he was in stasis, not mm. aging backwards. It's not like, I haven't seen you in 20 years and you look younger. It's, wow, you look exactly the same. Mm. Mm-hmm. Uh. You know, it's probably one of those portrait of Dorian Gray kind of dealios or, uh. you know, sold, made a pact with the devil kind or of Or just thing. Keanu Reeves. Could be Keanu Reeves. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I know. A uh, quick aside here, he went by a lot of different names, uh, which is not unusual at the time, apparently. Some of his alias were the Marquis de Montferrat, Comte de Bellemare, Chevalier Schoening, Count Velden, Comte de Saltikoff, Graf Starge, Zarg, Rogi. <laughs> okay, I'll say that again. <laughs> a lot of consonants. Yeah, Graf Zarg, okay, Graf Zarogi. And Prince Rakozy, and I mispronounced most of those, I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> you did miles better than I ever would. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it looks like the rumors of his immortality, nobody can say exactly when they seem to have started, but uh, they may have begun in 1760 in Paris. A, a certain Countess von Georgi had known the Count in Venice in 1710, apparently. And when she met him again, she was amazed to see that he hadn't aged at all and asked him if it was his if it was his father that she had known in Venice. And he said no, that it was it was he who had known her. And apparently he was able to discuss in enough detail with her what the, the things that had, had they had done together mm. in Venice that she was convinced. That it wasn't him just saying, oh, no, yeah, that was me. No, yeah. he, he recounted conversation yeah. and, and events and stuff that they had seen together. Yeah, and she was she was amazed and said he couldn't she couldn't quite believe it and uh he just said, Madame, I am very old. Hmm. So maybe it was. So let's, I'm going to go through his life a little bit here. He traveled a lot. Uh, in, the, in the years 1737 to 1742, he was in Persia studying alchemy. Mm. Yeah, and then when he returned, he went to Versailles. Well, and when he was in Persia, he was good friends with the, the Shah Supposedly at the time. Supposedly, he hung with the Shah, yeah. The Shah so again, he's hobnobbing with the, the elite of wherever he's at. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, wherever he goes, he seems to work his way right in. Hmm. In the mid-1740s, he lived in England for a while. He was arrested in 1745 on suspicion of espionage, but they didn't have anything to really hold him on, so they let him go. And who knows? He might have been spying. Now, he showed up in France in about 1748 and worked his way into the court of Louis XV. And Louis XV would send him on diplomatic missions. So, yeah, yeah. maybe. He may yeah. have, might have been a spy. Yeah, he could have been a spy. I mean, diplomats always, you know, often do spy. Yeah, that's that, those two are kind of synonymous with each other. Especially yeah. at that day and age. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Less now, technically. Mm. Technically. <laughs> supposedly. Well, supposedly. Well, there's still plenty of people in the embassy who are spies, but not all of them are. Mm. Uh, Evidently. Yeah. Uh, in 1755, he went to India. Mm-hmm. Uh, in 1760, during the Seven Years' War, he went to Holland, where he tried to open peace negotiations, supposedly, between Britain and France. Uh, the British ambassador wouldn't deal with him unless he had credentials that came directly from Louis XV. Now, and, which war was it that was going on at that time? The Seven Years' War. Okay. Seven I, years I couldn't war. remember exactly which one, but he, he was there, what, two or three years into the war? Uh, yeah, I think about it. hadn't reached its it was know, full about, title of seven years. At that yeah, point. no, at that point in time, it was about halfway, so you know, maybe four years in, I think. And uh, yeah, it, it was destined to go on a little bit longer, unfortunately. Yeah, unfortunately. yeah. I actually learned something interesting recently, which is that the um, the French and Indian War you've heard about, yeah, yeah, it was actually part of the Seven Years' War. The Seven Years' War actually, how uh, this basically the Seven Years' War was a clash between miscellaneous European powers that took place all over the world. It took place. Some of the clashes took place in Europe. 
Some took place in North America and Central America. There were all, I mean, there were all kinds of battlefields in the Seven Years' War, which I had not known. I, I've got to read a book about the war. because that's, Yeah, I was going to say, so basically if their forces ran into each other, they immediately started fighting. Yeah, yeah. They're like brothers in a bar, basically. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I know. <laughs> so, yeah, the Seven Years' War. I am going to uh, read a book about that and uh, get back to you guys. Uh, at this time, there was a certain plotter whose name I'm not going to try to... It was the Duke de... The Duke de Choiseul. The, the Duke de Choiseul. The Choiseul is French for hazard, so the Duke of Hazard. <laughs> ah. So the, this, this, this schemer, this plotter, the Duke of Hazard, convinced Louis XV to disavow St. Germain and, and request his, his arrest and extradition by the Dutch. The Dutch saw this as just internal French politicking, and they, did, they didn't really want to get involved in so it. So they saw it for what it was. Yeah, right? pretty much. A bunch yeah. of BS. Yeah. yeah, so instead of, instead of extraditing him back to France, they, 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 they got the British ambassador to Holland to issue the Count a British passport. Which the, they, they called it a blank passport? Yeah, is, they gave him a blank correct? passport so he could fill in any name he wanted to. Yeah. Isn't that nice? I wish time, I could do that. You didn't have to have a photo. It wasn't like it was issued and mm -hmm. had a photograph in it and all of that. It just mm -hmm. said who you were. Mm -hmm. You could steal somebody's for all you all I know, and they would accept it. Mm -hmm. That's crazy. Yeah, it is kind of crazy. Also it, crazy is, right, Britain was like, oh, hey, we're going to arrest you. Because years later, yeah, and then oh, yeah, years we'll later, oh, here's here's actually just a blank passport. Uh huh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we're over it. Oh uh, well, people were more relaxed back then. <laughs> yeah. I read, um, and apparently this is true. I read a, you know the the books, uh, the Master and Commander series by Patrick. What's his name? The, the book, the film, Master and Commander. Right. Is like, yeah, and they were actually they're very authentic recreations of of that period in history during the Napoleonic Wars. And his, uh, the, the, they're they're they get captured. Our heroes and their and the crew get captured by the French, and uh, the French let them go. If but just said you have to promise not to take part in any more fighting in the war, and we'll let you go. We won't keep we won't keep you captive. And, and so I said okay. And so and they honored, and they honored the request. They didn't take part in any more battles. They just they just kicked back and watched the war go on around them. Hmm. So things were just a little bit different back. Yeah, in those I can't days. see yeah. that happening no, today. I don't no, no, mm. not quite. Okay, that was an annoying aside. I apologize. For that. <laughs> <laughs> so he, uh, on his blank passport, got to travel to Britain and escape the clutches of Louis the Fifteenth and all of the court intrigues there. Great. Yeah, nice. Okay, two years later, he goes to Russia, where supposedly he uh, he knew Catherine the Great and he was involved in a conspiracy to overthrow Tsar Peter the Third and place Catherine the Great on the throne. And apparently, that that did happen. It did. It did happen. It he worked. He was involved. Supposedly, he also later advised the commander of the Imperial Russian armies in, the, in their war against Turkey. Mm -hmm. So he was, he, among everything else, he's a great strategist. He's yeah, apparently. I mean, because he's figuring out how to how to maneuver political stuff around, mm -hmm. as well as armies and forces on the field of battle. I guess some could argue to a suspicious degree. Yeah, right. That it almost seems less that he is good at strategy and more that he just knows what's going to happen. Mm -hmm. That's possible. A little mm -hmm. uh, prescient. Mm -hmm. Is that yeah, the word? That's a, he did make some predictions. He, uh, he made all kinds of interesting predictions, and a lot of which came true. 
Hmm. Yeah. Hmm. But we're going to talk about that in the series. Oh, okay. Sorry. Yeah. I didn't oh, mean no, to jump ahead. Okay. Oh, no, no worries. In 1774, you returned to France. Uh, Louis Sixteenth was now in power, along with Marie Antoinette. He allegedly, at this point, warned them that a revolution was to come about 15 years in the future. Y'all know well. how that ended. Yeah, that, that did not end well. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Yeah, Yeah, no, that went on for a good 10 years. Well, uh, yeah, it did. It, it did not end well mm-hmm. for a lot of people that were previously in power. Uh, mm-hmm. And a lot of other people besides. So blood flowed freely, let's just say. It really did. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was here for liberty, egalité, fraternité. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Still happening, apparently, Yeah. in this room. Mm. In 1775, this is one source that I found, and I haven't seen this anywhere else, but this one... Oh, yeah, I remember this. Yeah, he claims that uh, the Count was in America, where he was known as the Professor, and supposedly he was involved with all of our revolutionary founding father guys. And uh, in 1776, he supposedly gave a very stirring speech in Independence Hall to the assembled delegates who were about to sign the Declaration of Independence. That sounds like somebody trying to prove that he's the doctor. I was thinking the same thing and held back. Sounds just like a time lord. (laughs) Yeah, but but think about this, because, I mean, at the time, these guys were putting their names on what was a treasonous document. I mean, they were risking their lives. Oh, absolutely. And their fortunes by doing this. And apparently their their morale was kind of so-so, so it might be the Count bucked up their morale sufficiently with his stirring speech that he actually caused that declaration to be signed and, and caused America to come into being. Have you, either of you watched the, uh, oh, it's Paul Giamatti, and I cannot think of, it's a, it's a, not a, it's a miniseries, basically, but it's like mm. five or six one-hour-long episodes. The John Adams oh, one. John the Adams. John Adams one. I did never I, watch I, it. I, I want to see that, but I have not seen it. But they do a really good job of illustrating what we were talking about, of all of the the reluctance and the infighting and the hesitance of, wait, are we really going to leave England? Mm. Do you realize what this is going to do to us? And it's the first time that it, I mean, I've read about it. I think we've all read about it, but mm-hmm. it's hard to imagine. But they get some great actors in it. You're like, oh, I totally get this. I feel really dumb for not figuring that out ahead of time. How disturbing that idea would have to be at that time. Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, I, I think that there was, uh, I think a, a, and a lot of people who, you know, if you read our history books, they're considered kind of traitorous because they sided with the Brits. But mm-hmm. you can see how they would feel some loyalty to the crown. I am a descendant of one of the Declarations of Independence signers. So mm-hmm. Paul Giamatti? A, a bit of a, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, he's my dad. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. But yeah, anyway, it was uh, it was not a given that we were going to achieve our independence at mm-hmm. that time. So it was a pretty brave deal in those ways. And we have, we have the, the count to thank for this. Well, Merca. I, I, I kind of feel like he shoehorned into that story. I, mm. I think so, too, actually. Merca, either way. Merca. <laughs> Merca. Merca. Yeah. Uh, in 1779, and, and I'm leaving a lot out of his timeline. He actually was bouncing around all over the oh, place. Oh, mm. the timeline is amazingly dense yeah, yeah and considering how slow travel was in those days i mean he really got around it's amazing he, halfway around the world in 1779 though he went to hamburg germany and became buds with prince charles of hesse castle who i talked about earlier uh and the, he lived as a guest in the prince's castle at uh, in an unpronounceable town uh, <laughs> <laughs> Ecken. I'm going to call it Eckernford. 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 Okay, yeah. we'll call it that. And according to local Fjord, records, maybe. he died there February 27th, 1784. He left behind some clothes, a little cash, uh, personal items like combs and razors and stuff like that. But no gold, no jewels, or anything else particularly valuable. So that's where our story ends. 
Mm, yeah, but not quite. Oh. Yeah, it turns out he returns from the dead. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> in 1785, now let's remember he died in 1784. Mm-hmm. He shows up at the Masonic Convention in Paris. Apparently was actually on the registry there and everything. So that's interesting. Oh. Uh, supposedly in 1786, he had a meeting with the Empress of Russia. Presumably that's Catherine the Great. I would right? presume. Presume. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, in 1788, he sends a letter to uh, Louis XVI and Marie Antoinette with, with, with a warning, which is, let's, let's remember, it's, it's only a year until the start of the French Revolution. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not going to read the entire letter because it's kind of long. Mm. I'll read the first sentence or two. The time is fast approaching when imprudent France, surrounded by misfortunes she might have spared herself, will call to mind such hell as Dante painted, and on and on and on from there. It's pretty dire. Mm. It, yeah, it's not a, yeah. not a happy letter. Yeah, mm. anyway, so, and they apparently didn't heed his warning. And yeah. maybe, they, maybe there really wasn't much they could do. In, 17, uh, in 1788, two other people reported running into him also. I'm not going to tell you their names because I can't pronounce them. Mm. Yeah. So uh, they, they ran into him? So they they saw him somewhere and talked mm-hmm. to him, ran into him, or yeah. saw him at a distance. No, they, uh, the the first one claims to have spoken to him. Another one claims to have met with him, mm-hmm. uh, and, he, and he said, "Oh, this is an interesting one too." His name is Baron Linden. He was uh, he met with him, and the count said that he was on his way out of Europe, headed for the Himalayas. He, quote: "I will rest. I must rest. Exactly in eighty-five years will people begin set eyes on me." Farewell, hmm. the words of the Count. But he must have fibbed because he actually showed up a little earlier than that. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, he had a, a flair for the dramatic. Mm. I don't know oh, if you guys have noticed yeah. that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Maybe he meant 85 days. Could have been. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, in late 1789, the Countess, uh, another name I don't know how to pronounce, so I'm just going to murder it here. It said Dadimer, or Dadimer. Yeah. Countess Dottimer, I don't know. You're the best the of Countess, the pronouncers. Yep. Yeah. Okay. So she got a letter from him saying the sun had set on the French monarchy. And it was too late. His hands were tied by, quote, one stronger than myself, unquote. He prophesied the death of Marie Antoinette, the ruin of the royal family, and the rise of Napoleon. Hmm. So, yeah. This guy must have had a time machine, huh? He, yeah. Kind yeah. Of sounds like it. Yeah. Um, or Marty McFly gave him a book of history, one of the two. Yeah, That could have been. In 1793, he he again wrote a letter with a prophetic uh, warning about Marie Antoinette's death. Said in, in 1793, her fate would be death, and that's how it turned out to be. Mm-hmm. And the Countess asked, this is again the Countess with the unpronounceable name, mm-hmm. asked if she would see him again after he gave her the prophecy, and he replied five more times, do not wish for a sixth. Apparently that means the sixth time is going to be when she dies. Mm. Yeah, I know. So the first of the six was the assassination of Marie Antoinette when she ran into him again. Uh, another, an Englishman saw him in 1798 uh, in a prison in France. In 1799, he was seen by that same countess we just talked about at the 18th Brumaire of Louis XVI. Uh, that was the coup d'etat in which Napoleon overtook the French consulate mm-hmm. and began his coup. So most of these are that that one countess saying, oh, mm-hmm. I saw him again, right? Well, it's a lot of are them they, are they Is it substantiated by other people at the same time? Is mm-hmm. that there are other people who are also saying, oh, yeah, I saw him too, and it was a weird no. thing? Well, there are. Um, okay. Actually, I'm going to skip over some of the rest of this particular countess's mm-hmm. uh, things. Uh, uh, in 1820, Albert Vandem, who's an Englishman, 
wrote uh, in his memoirs and talked about a person who bore a lot of resemblance to the Count of St. Germain, mm. but he called himself Major Fraser. Uh, but he but he just sounds a lot like him. But we'll skip that because he didn't actually say that it was St. Germain. So sure. no more of that. And well, he met with a certain Lord Lytton, whose full name is Edward George Earl Lytton, Boulevard Lytton. Well, that's not a tongue twister. Mm-hmm. Yeah, not at all. I'd hate to be a kid and have to learn how to write all of that. Oh, I know. Imagine that every time you sign a check. <laughs> <laughs> Somehow I don't think there was much check signing happening. Probably not. But... Lord Lytton was an English politician, poet, and a novelist. Uh, he was very popular, and, and he coined some really kind of, what's the word I'm thinking of, um, cliched phrases these days. Mm. Words like the great unwashed, uh, the pen is mightier than the sword. Oh. Uh, yeah, so, but, but apparently, so this is a guy who said that he met with the Count. He uh, was seen in 1867 at a meeting for the Grand Lodge of Freemasons in Milan, Italy. In 1870, Napoleon III was, became so interested in this undying count that he had a special commission put together to gather information. They were stationed at the Hotel de Villa. In 1871, the Hotel de Villa burned down, destroying all the records. So the, the count is apparently an arsonist. <laughs> or just trying to hide his trail. I know. In 1877, he was seen in Milan, Italy again at a Freemason meeting. Uh, in 1896, somebody named Annie Besant claimed to have met the Count. In 1896, also somebody named Manton Blavatsky claimed to have met the Count and said that she was in frequent contact with him. So hang on just a second. I, I Again, I just want to clarify. So we've got the... And these are a couple of things. So is he identifying himself as the Count or just people say, no, that looks like the Count? Well, that is the deal. Now, I think the, in these cases, they're, they're, they, they, these are people who say they met with him. In other words, they didn't just run into him or, or see him in the street. They actually met with him. And apparently, I... I wait, wait, wait. When was the the last one that you just said? What was the date on that? That was 1896, I think. He would have been in his 90s. No, he would have been... Uh, Late 80s. No, if he, he, would was... been... he would have been... 1896, he would have been 186 yeah, years old. Yeah, he'd been oh, 200 years old ha, at that ha, point. Ha, ha. Yeah. So that, that, that's where I'm saying is like, well, these people couldn't have met him before. Mm. There's no possible way that these regular human people could have met him before so i'm just trying to figure out if they're saying that it's the count because a he said he's the count Mm -hmm. b they've seen a painting of him and the likeness is striking Mm -hmm. or if it's just anecdotal you know i'm just i'm trying to understand because i could never get a good handle on why they I said, oh, yeah, he was the Count. Mm-hmm. What what drove that? Well, I kind of suspect that, uh, and I'm half serious here, I kind of suspect that there was probably a standing joke among the the, the nobility and, and the higher, higher classes in Europe mm. about the Count. I, I think he became kind of famous, and, and I think that... Maybe it was just a joke. Then you run into somebody and say, hey, you seen the count? And they say, oh, yeah. You know, I saw the count at a Rosicrucian convention in Baden-Baden. Mm-hmm. And it's, just, it's all just a joke. You know? Right. I mean, could... He's become the Dos Equis guy. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. I mean, I mean yeah. maybe that's just, maybe it's as simple as that. But you're right. I mean, at a certain point, I mean, when it's like 1793, well, sure, he could still be alive. And there'd be people around who knew him. So that all makes sense. But then when you're getting up to the, you know, like, you know, the, the closing of the 19th century, that's a little different. Well, th- yeah. Yeah, and that's, that's what I, I could never get a clear line on mm-hmm. was how, 
what what interaction when it was written down and then transcribed and rewritten yada 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 mm-hmm. what what actually happened and that's yeah. and I, I i know that the records are a little sparse and inconclusive mm-hmm. and we're probably not going to get the answer to my question that is driving me bonkers but no. i've got to ask it anyway yeah yeah, yeah. But there's uh there is a ton of stuff on the internet about this guy i mean he's you know really really excited a lot of people's interest and so you know as you know the more more web pages there are the more opportunities for um what's the word I'm embellishment thinking? uh yeah mis- mischievousness yeah misinterpretation or, or mischief trolling mischief. yeah trolling there's that but here's the deal, and this is what we really need to figure out, is that if the Count truly is immortal, that means he's still alive today. And that means at least one of these websites is his website. Mm. Yeah, we, <laughs> yeah. we need to figure out which one that which is. Which one it is. It's probably yeah. that one that had the purple background with the purple text on it. <laughs> it oh, the one that, that I love so much. Yeah, hard. it's yeah. probably that one. Yeah. No, he probably was, made that one for himself. Yeah, I uh, I, I don't know. There's got to be a way to figure out which one is the Count's website. Mm. That we, and we'll deal with that in the future. We'll have episode. to do a domain yeah. registry search. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, I'll just spit out a couple more things here. Uh, there was a strange encounter in World War One in August 1914. Two Bavarian soldiers captured a, a man in Alsace. During the interrogation, uh, their prisoner... Well, started got irritable and started to rail about the futility of the war. He told his captors, throw down your guns. The war will end in 1918 with defeat for the German nation and her allies. And uh, then he said, everyone will be a millionaire after the war. This is something I think somebody made up, actually. Yeah. 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 It's too easy. Yeah, everyone will be a millionaire after the war. There'll be so much money in circulation, people will throw it from windows and no one will bother to pick it up. You'll need to carry it around in a wheelbarrow to buy a loaf of bread. Which and is actually... That's true. That's it's totally happened. true, because when the, the German economy was collapsing yeah, yeah. and inflation was running rampant, yeah. but nobody kept cash, you know, it was worthless. I mean, what mm-hmm. they made the... Uh, what was the the million dollar mark or whatever it was? The mm. the mark that was... Yeah, yeah, yeah they... Yeah. The uh, you know actually there was hundred thousands and a million because it was just so worthless that it took so much to buy so little mm-hmm. that nobody could carry it. Yeah, I think it was only very recently in time that uh, Zimbabwe started public started printing uh, their million million dollar note, millions Zimbabwean dollars or whatever they are. Because yeah, it, it became so worthless. I would love to have a million dollar bill. Wouldn't that be cool? <laughs> Well, you know, those those old notes, I mean, people literally were burning them to heat their homes. Mm-hmm. That's how little value they had. Oh, yeah. And very few of them have survived. The, a... the value of those bills now, those weird denominations that they kept putting out just because of inflation. I know. Our collector's item, and they are worth a lot of money. And right. I've seen pictures of I, them. I know. And it's amazing to see a tr- not a not a joke, but a true note that has that many zeros on it. And it looks like Monopoly money mm-hmm. because it's just got such a huge number written on it. Yeah, it's really, it's, it's sad. My uh, my uncle was in the war in, in Europe um, and he brought back, the only souvenir he brought back that I know of is a Walther automatic pistol, which he gave to me years ago. So that was nice of him. I thought it was a really generous gift, actually. But uh I really wish he'd picked up a few of those notes and brought those back and given those to me, too. That would have been cool. Mm. 
Yeah. Yeah. Oh, well. I believe it's what they thought was worth anything, and it wasn't the the note. Yeah. Anywho, again, yeah, we, get, we're let's way Let's get back track. to our story. Uh, some other meetings, but I'm not going to like beat on this too much. In August 1930, a guy named Guy Ballard supposedly met him on Mount Shasta in California, and it started the, the I Am activity, which uh, you can, if you Google that, you, there's a wiki page on it. It's I Am, and AM stands for Ascended Master. Mm. Yeah, oh, yeah. So, I know. Yeah, he's, he, we know. He's an ascended being, essentially. Yeah, yeah there was, he was also supposedly spotted in the in 1960s at a conference in Berlin. Um, so, And last of all, in 72, a guy named Richard Chamfrey went on French television claiming to be the Count. That was discredited. Well, didn't he? He said he knew how to turn lead into gold, and he did it in front of everybody on a camp stove or something uh-huh. like that. Yeah, I, I would like to learn. I'd like to be able to do that. Yeah, me too, man. Yeah, it didn't turn out very well for him. No, no, <laughs> no he, I'm shocked. He, I don't. Everybody turned against him because they knew what a fraud he was, and he ended up committing suicide, Ugh. which was oh, terrible. Yeah, I know. So, just goes to show you. Be honest. Don't uh, don't troll the world. They yeah. Get mad. Let's get into some theories as to what the count was all about. Was he immortal or not? So the first theory is is yeah he was just immortal. Mm. You guys yeah. have any thoughts on that? Well, there's a lot of stories about supposed immortal beings through history. Mm-hmm. I mean that that is kind of a consistent theme, and we can bring it to modern times with things like Doctor Who, as we've been joking about, or the Highlander, things like that. You know, these guys are from way back on and have lived far, far in the future. But mm-hmm. it's not quite credible. No, because here's the thing. Okay, it, this this is something I've always had a problem with with say the Highlander series. Mm. I swear I've seen episodes of that where they were sick, but let's just say they don't get sick, so they don't get diseases or, even worse, sexually transmitted diseases, but let's just say they get a hand chopped off. Now you get to go through eternity, eternity as lefty. <laughs> I mean, this this doesn't make sense. You're not no. very well brushed up on your Doctor Who canon, are you? No, I'm not. Yeah, because he loses a hand. Well, I, I know oh. the doctor can regenerate, but <laughs> right. I'm going more towards the Highlander reference. Sure, that's and, fair. Because that, to me, is, while still far flung, a little more grounded. Well, I want... obviously, obviously, the Highlander guy comes from the same sort of class of beings as the mm-hmm. doctor, so he can regenerate, too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's a Time Lord, too. Yeah. I just counterpoint with Keanu Reeves just constantly. <laughs> no, I mean, mm-hmm. genuinely, I mean... Uh, Keanu actually actually does look a little older than he used to. He looks a little older than he used to. That's definitely true. I guess it, it, it's not serious. I'm not serious. I don't don't actually think Keanu Reeves is immortal. No, he no. doesn't age a lot, but that's explained by a lot of different things. But I do think to 100% discount the idea of immortal beings in our world is uh, I'm not willing to totally discount it. I yeah. think there are a lot of weird things in our world, and I just, you know. Yeah, but uh, I'm kind of wondering uh, what, um, because part of the, the aging process uh, isn't just 
breakdown in cell regeneration and stuff like that, but also just gravity. Yeah. That's why you get like, you know, you get kind of jowlier and saggier as you mm-hmm. get older. It's not just because you're aging, it's because of gravity. Right. So imagine what a 20,000 year old person would look like. That's why they have to rest. That's why they have to rest and maybe yeah. like, you know, sleep get, upside down get for plastic years. Years. <laughs> yeah. 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 Yeah, but the thing is, I've got an uncle who I've known for, you know, 30-some years that he's he's been in my family. And that guy, you see a picture of him 20 years ago and now, and he looks maybe 10 pounds heavier, but otherwise identical. So there are people who don't appear to his age as much mm-hmm. as others. And I yeah. wonder if maybe that's part of it where all your friends are working in the field or all your servants are toiling and they're killing themselves and they're aging quite rapidly. And then you've got this one guy who's kind of living the life of luxury and he kind of hits his stride of what he's going to look like at about 30, but really hasn't done any strenuous outdoor activity mm-hmm. for 30 yeah. years, but stayed in okay shape. He's going to look the same. For all intents and purposes, and people's memories are notoriously shoddy, so they won't notice the one, the the couple of bags that you have that aren't that big compared to when they saw you 20 years ago when you had none under your eyes. Mm-hmm. It's also possible to kind of lie about stuff like oh, when yeah. he was, in, yeah, when he was in uh, Venice, for example, when he met that countess who had known him supposedly. Maybe it really was his father that mm-hmm. she had known, and he just lied to her about it. Also, a portrait of Dorian Gray, we kind of mentioned before, mm-hmm. too. Maybe you, you just have a painting that ages for you. Yeah. That, that takes be, care of gravity. That would be kind of cool. Magic is a thing. Yeah, who do I get to go through for one of them? I don't know. Well, let's move on to our next theory. Uh, this has actually been posted. Some people have actually suggested this, that he is the wandering Jew. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Again. Explain to everybody who the Wandering Jew is. Yeah, the Wandering Jew is uh, apparently there was a, a Jewish guy who, when Jesus was heading off to his crucifixion, carrying his cross, that some Jewish guy taunted him. So Jew, and so Jesus threw a curse on the Wandering Jew, which is that he was to walk the earth until he returns, until the second coming mm. of Christ. So the Wandering Jew wasn't quite immortal. He's going to die sometime when Jesus comes back. But in the meantime, he's stuck on this planet. So the wandering Jew is who he is. So, but there's no, nothing ever said about him not aging. He just has to live that long, mm-hmm. right? That's true. I mean, maybe he has to spend like the, you know, the next 10,000 years in a rest home. Yeah. I guess how depressing <laughs> that would be. Oh, Jesus, yeah. you're mean. That's mean. <laughs> Actually, the, the wandering Jew thing didn't even come into, into currency until I think the 13th century. Mm-hmm. It's not like that's documented or anything like that. Right. That's, that's... That, that was a story that, that got spun up. But this whole thing about – this is my whole thing about immortality. And people always glamorize, oh, if I was a vampire and lived forever, or if I was immortal, or however – whatever way they go about becoming immortal mm-hmm. – Nobody ever thinks about, and I've seen this dramatized in a number of places, of what a lonely frickin' existence that would have to be mm-hmm. after about the first 150 years. That's why you mm-hmm. find your tribe, man. Maybe, yeah. but, just, you know, yeah, just everybody to... you know, everything you're used to, it's gone, it's yeah, changed. you gotta go make new friends. You're go, constantly gotta go find trying a new to keep wife. up with it. But That's... think about, you know, think about this. Is, is imagine... Yeah, it, it, there was. I don't know if you ever watched that TV show Alias. 
No, I never watched that. That was actually kind of fun. It was it was it was created by J.J. Abrams, and there's this like you know uber bad guy whose name I forget, and he's trying to amass all these artifacts and stuff from this one particular you know mad medieval genius. The idea being is that if you get all these together, and and I, I forget, it's been a while, and and wave you know, wave your hands over them and say the right words, you achieve immortality. And so in the the, the the ultimate episode, the ending episode of the show. Spoilers. Guy, yeah. Well, I mean, everybody's going to watch that show. It's been years since the show was You're on. Just saying spoilers. Oh yeah, spoilers. Just in case you spoiler suddenly alert. found Alias. Yeah. And so this guy uh, goes into this cave, and he and he has shot. He shot uh, the, our heroine's father is also a regular in the series, and so he shot him and left him for dead. But he's not quite dead. Of course. Goes, goes into this cave and and. and and finds this this little room in the cave that's got you know the final piece that he needs to achieve immortality, and then he achieves immortality, and then suddenly Dad pops in the doorway and he's got like a dynamite belt that he's holding <laughs> up and blows it up and kills he kills him he he dies of course and of course the cave collapses. Par- par- partially collapses and so this guy who's now immortal. <laughs> has to spend eternity trapped in a cavern pinned under a boulder. <laughs> that sucks. <laughs> yeah. It was like the ultimate comeuppance. But anyway, I'm totally getting off the, off the yeah, mark. Yeah, we here. are really bad about sitting on top of Yeah, today. okay. So much for the wandering Jew. I, I was, as I said in my notes here, he's got black hair, which is tr- which is fair enough. But he was also described as having pale skin. And mm-hmm. especially in, in the days of Jesus, the Jews did not, not have, have pale, pale skin. skin. No. Yeah. 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 They, they look like little small Arabs. And the Arabs were small back in those days too. I mean, this is like two thousand years ago. True. Everybody was probably five foot three. Yeah, that was a tall person. I mean, have you ever you ever seen like you go to England, you see you see these suits of armor that are on display, and they're itsy bitsy. Yeah, it's like these were the big guys, the really big guys that got to push everybody else around, and they're about as tall as Devon. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. everyone was my size. Yeah, I know. <laughs> People were small back in the day. That's so what's it... what's next? Okay, our next theory: suspended animation. Hmm. Well, so the count, uh, why? Yeah, so the count, the count would go out, meet with people, you know, get his face out there, you know, and then go back to wherever and jump into his suspended animation capsule and just, mm. you know, not age for 20 years or yeah, so. Yeah, that's dumb. No, it is dumb. I'm <laughs> sorry. <laughs> I just threw it in there. Uh, next next one is time travel. Yeah. Suppose he was a time traveler. It's, it, it would make sense. That would make sense. He he was able to foresee things hap- that happened mm-hmm, in the future. Mm-hmm. Tried to warn people, Tried stop them. Tried to warn them. people, yeah. He so. couldn't actually intervene, but he, you know. Yeah, so it's not like, so he, so in, in this scenario, he had a normal lifespan, but mm-hmm. he was able to spread it out over a great number of years right. because he was bouncing around between points in time. To the important points. Yeah. So um, I'm assigning this one a 90 <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. I agree. Yeah. Ninety okay. percent. Yeah. No, not ninety percent. Just a ninety. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Okay. A ninety A. Uh. Yeah. Okay. Uh, next up, uh, and this kind of fits. He was a vampire. Yeah. Because he didn't eat food. Is. Didn't have sex. Oh, is. Yeah, you're right. Right. Didn't. Oh, he could be dead. Well, fair. I mean, he could be dead by now. Buffy could have got him. Yeah, I know. Uh, so if he was a vampire, that explains why he wouldn't eat food and why mm-hmm. he wasn't having sex with women. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. What do you, what do you got? And, he, and he was also very pale. So this is going with the glittery vampires, not the Dracula vampires. In other words, he can go in the sun. 
Because yeah. but literally, know, the, the Bram Stoker Dracula can't go in the sun or he bursts into flame. This guy is like hobnobbing and, and going around. I'm assuming that if we, you know, if you read some of the accounts, he's hanging out in the day with people, mm. which makes me think that he's going the... Uh, like I said, the glittery vampire. Like, uh, like, like Twilight. Yeah, the Twilight vampire. Thank you. I yeah. I have expunged the name of that series from my brain. I'm it's glad so I was able to put it back in. Ha <laughs> ha. Wait, what show? <laughs> in fairness, Twilight is not the first uh, I know. work to I know. explore vampires as being able to go into the daylight. But yeah. Just I, saying. I, I kind of prefer vampires being kind of limited. I agree. Yeah. Hey. It's much safer. Yeah. yeah. What was the other one that, that would Well, Queen him? of the Damned has some stuff in that, too. Oh, well, I know but that, there's a lot of other, I mean... I know that, like, well, if you were, like, say, um, of Lestat's stature, mm-hmm. and, you know, then he actually was able to go, go out in the sun and toast himself and, and still survive it. Right. But a young vampire couldn't survive right. it. Yeah. But that's... But you, you have to argue if, you know, the Comte de Saint-Germain is... A vampire, he's obviously of at least Lestat stature. Oh, hell yeah. Of course. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, just saying. And, and yeah, I don't know how much time he spent, like, you know, outside versus inside right. and all that stuff. I think this has probably got the most pop culture reference <laughs> yeah. ever for any episode. Yeah, probably. Yeah, wow. I think so. Yeah, actually. I no, never the... thought we'd talk about an Anne Rice book on this show. Uh... Yeah, no, actually, her vampire books were pretty good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I enjoyed them. They were entertaining. Uh, next theory, uh, he just told a lot of tall tales. Oh, he was just a liar? That could have been. Fair. Yeah, he made a lot of very dubious claims. He told people that he was 500 years old. Uh, Voltaire called him the Wonder Man, and sarcastically. Uh, Casanova was another doubter. Uh, he he met the Count numerous times, and he, as I said, was in his memoirs. The Count was in Casanova's memoirs, that is. And mm-hmm. here's, a small, here's a small quote from, he had more to say. Quote, this extraordinary man, intended by nature to be the king of impostors and quacks, would say <laughs> in an easy, assured manner that he was 300 years old, that he knew the secret of the universal medicine, that he possessed a mastery over nature, that he could melt diamonds, professing himself capable of forming out of 10 or 12 small diamonds, one large one of the finest water without any loss of weight. All this, he said, was a mere trifle to him. Notwithstanding his boastings, his his bare-faced lies, and his manifold eccentricities, I cannot say that I thought him offensive. In spite of my knowledge of what he was, and in spite of my own feelings, I thought him an astonishing man, as he was always astonishing me. And Casanova said that. Yeah, I know. Right? It's not... We're not saying some Puritan or Casanova. Uh Yeah, he said, yeah, this guy was just a crank and an imposter. I got to be honest. Anybody who says they practice alchemy, Mm -hmm. uh, that just sounds like I tinker in the garage and I play with these chemicals. And, oh, yeah, I can make gold, uh, gold out of lead. And, oh, I made this elixir one time that made me immortal, but I can't figure out how to do it again. Because, of course, I'm so brave. I made this thing that I didn't know what it was going to do, and then I just drank it. Mm-hmm. Well, but what yeah. if it's real, though? <laughs> no, but, yeah. I mean, genuinely think about if alchemy was real and people knew about it. If you knew how to do that, would you be broadcasting it everywhere and saying, I know how to create mm-hmm. all this wealth? Or would you hold no. that in and just secretly work your way up into the upper echelons of society and just comfortably stay there? Yeah, well, you'd be nuts to actually let that secret out. Because right. if anybody can make gold out of whatever, then pretty soon gold's not worth a thing. Right. So, yeah, you obviously want to keep it close. 
But so Alchemy has got kind of a poor track record. As oh far yeah, as I can see. Well, yeah. yeah, there's been a, a what? What did Casanova say? What's the term? Quacks. Yeah, yeah. there's yeah. been a lot of quacks. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I understand the, the desire to create uh, gold out of nothing or lead or whatever, mm-hmm. you know. But a lot of people wasted a lot of time trying to do that. I just continue and to argue that money. If you were actually successful with that, you wouldn't be trying to tell people that you were no, doing it you wouldn't no you would not tell people you'd be that, hiding no. it same thing with the diamond. you know i can take 10 or 12 small diamonds and yeah you make wouldn't one. tell somebody yeah. that no yeah. why would you do that yeah and then you know what you know i mean it, and take a couple hundred diamonds and make the hope diamond out of it that'd be cool yeah yeah that'd be really awesome just do that it's probably how the hope diamond was formed yeah and one last thing uh, there uh, at the time was an english comedian who called himself Milord gower who was at large in Paris, and he used to impersonate the Count of Saint-Germain in Paris salons. Mm. Yeah, and he, he made up even crazier stories than the real counts, like that like he had advised Jesus and stuff like this. And so that stuff gets repeated around, of course. Next thing you know, people are you know, repeating it like it's true. Are mixed up with who said it. Yeah, yeah. And, so, um, and so, yeah, I think this is all just a big hoax. Mm. Yeah, I think. Well, yeah, I was gonna yeah. say. I think it's stories mixed with stories mixed with stories, mm-hmm. and once they get mixed up, you can never pull them back apart. Mm-hmm. This guy is telling these tall tales. Mm-hmm. This other guy is making fun of him, telling even taller tales. Mm-hmm. And then it, as Joe made the 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 good observation of, is saying, "I'm Count Saint Germain," is a bit of a gag. Mm-hmm. Just adds fuel to the fire. Yeah, I yeah. think. I think that really his legend probably was such that I really do think that <clears throat> it probably became a standing joke. You know, hey, seen the count? <laughs> and I, I mm-hmm. think that might have been it. Your refrigerator running? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I mean, I, I love the idea of somebody being, I'm not going to say immortal, but extremely long lived. So let's just say a mm-hmm. lifespan of 400 years. Mm-hmm. I really, I mean, That'd there's a little bit of romantic appeal in terms of getting to see things and experience everything. So I like the idea. I'm not going to discount the idea at all, but I, I can't yeah. back it. Yeah, no. I agree. No, I can't either. So, so sorry. I don't think he was immortal. Mm. Mm. Uh, but anyway, if you are the real count and you beg to differ, you can contact us via email <laughs> at thinkingsidewayspodcast at gmail.com. And really, seriously, we would love to hear from you. And we will totally, totally eat crow on our show. <laughs> we will. Yeah, we totally yeah. will. Yeah. Uh, I, I, just a few other odds and ends here. Uh, you can find our website also. It's thinkingsidewayspodcast.com where you can leave comments. You can find our links to our episodes and, and also links to all the material that we cover in our episodes you can find us on itunes that probably is where you found us but you can subscribe uh leave us a review and a rating we mm-hmm. really like that uh you can also stream us there's a lot of different streaming places we used to say stitcher but now just uh, stream us from anywhere there's all kinds of places <laughs> we're um, all over too oh, many yeah. places oh yeah i know it's getting scary uh, <laughs> yeah and of course you can find us on facebook find us like us Friend us and, you know, make comments. I don't know. Make comments or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whatever yeah. you do on Facebook. Whatever yeah. Facebook yeah, whatever. is. What, what's going on with Facebook? Uh, Joe's old. He doesn't know. <laughs> no, I do Facebook. I just don't... Joe still has a MySpace account. Yeah. yeah. 
He's a live journal. Yeah. Oh, my God. No. no seriously, I don't. Um, I just kind of gotten away from Facebook, you know. Mm. I used to be really into it, and I'm kind of over it now. But uh, it's still, I mean, it's, it's fun to go out there and read some of the stuff that some of our, our listeners leave for us. So yeah. I check it more often than I check my own personal Facebook. <laughs> oh, and last of all, Twitter. Yes, we are on Twitter. But we're a little different. We are thinking sideways. That's thinking without the G. So thinking sideways on Twitter. Mm. So follow us on Twitter. And um, ah, that's about it for this week. Uh, so any further thoughts um, at no. all? No. Awesome idea. Yeah. No. Love the suggestion. Yeah. yeah. All right. All right. Well, that's it for now. Count, please send us an email. Um, and we'll see you all next week. Bye. Bye, everybody. Bye, guys. <laughs>